Hello and welcome to the First Attempt Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm back home this weekend for what is certainly a game of football, Indiana and Louisville at Lucas Oil Stadium. Among other games, it's one we'll talk about today. But beyond that game, we're previewing all of Week 3 of Big Ten football. Like usual, you know the drill by now. We've only been doing this for five years. And joining me, as always, for all of those five years, it's Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Hey, Patrick. Today, uh, or not today, this week, I'm getting to go to my first game at Ohio Stadium as a fan this season. I was, of course, there uh, as a spectator on the road week one at Indiana. But the first game of the year at the shoe, I was broadcasting famously last week. So now I'm getting to put on the Scarlet and Gray t-shirt for the first time this year and step into the shoe. That's exciting. And uh, excited to be back on this podcast. Never gets old, does it? No, it doesn't. No, it does not. Being on the podcast or, you know, being a fan of your favorite team at the stadium. Good times. It's the most wonderful time of the year. What more could you ask for? Uh, the leaves are starting to change. You can feel a little chill in the air. Uh, we're inching through those last couple days of what is officially summer uh, before it really turns to fall. But it sure feels like fall right now, Reed, with football on TV all day long on Saturdays and Sundays now. Doesn't get better than this, and we're going to break it all down. So let's start this podcast how we start every preview. Let's talk about what we're watching for. It is what to watch for. Reed, I'll let you kick this one off. What are you watching for this Saturday? This week I'm watching to see if Iowa's offense can ramp it up and and do what we – I don't know if expected is the word, but maybe what I, Iowa fans hope they would do this year with Kate McNamara at quarterback. Can they just score more points? They scored 24 week one against Utah State, 20 last week. I think Western Michigan, their opponent this week, is probably the weakest of the teams they face so far. So can Iowa's offense really ramp it up? Because the defense, I mean, it looks solid. Gave away 14 points week one, 13 week two. That's kind of what you expect from Iowa. But can the offense bump it up to a higher level? Uh, can they hit that 24-point mark that was so crucial for uh, that that Brian Ferentz incentive in his contract? Yep. They hit it week one against Utah State. Can they exceed that? Can they go above and beyond? That's what I want to see because this is really the first. It's kind of like a get-right game for the Iowa offense facing Western Michigan. I want to see what they do with this opportunity. Yeah, that 24 magic number is interesting, Reed. They inched pretty close to it last week, but just could not quite get there. And it's honestly kind of amazing that no matter what you plug into Iowa, you plug in a quarterback who's had a lot of success in the Big Ten. Uh, he made the, playoff. the college ball playoff. Made the playoff. Yeah, right. And just so happened to get benched for a, a guy who's potentially a, a Big Ten first-team quarterback and also a first-round NFL pick uh, in J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, now with Cade McNamara. Even he, you can take the man out of Michigan, but I guess you can't keep the Michigan and the man because they're not playing like the Michigan offense. They're playing a lot like Iowa. Kind of leads me to believe that no matter who you plug into this system, as long as Brian Ferentz is there, it's going to look a whole hell of a lot like an Iowa offense. So far, that's been the case, but I think that's an interesting point, Reed. Uh, this could be the get-right game for that offense. This could be the week uh, when they finally hit that magic number of 25 and, uh, you know, put on some Iowa style fireworks It's 25 fireworks in Iowa. Can we, can we count it as that? Sure. For, for the technicality. Yeah. By a technicality it's fireworks. You know, there's an alternate universe where of course, when, when conference affiliation and regionality meant something, Iowa state longtime big 12, Iowa longtime big 10, there's an alternate universe where that's flipped and, and Iowa plays this style of offense uh, in the 2010s, big 12, where TCU and Baylor are scoring 60 a game. Just think about that for a second. But that's not the world we live in. We live in the one where Iowa is the Big Ten Westiest of the Big Ten West schools. And 
uh, no matter how much change, no matter how much things change, some things always stay the same in the Iowa offense. Certainly seems to be one of them so far. All right, Reed, I'm watching for 10 overtimes. Yes. To those who don't recall, Penn State and Illinois played in 2021. Me and Reed watched this game from the front seat of his car, as well as from Mother Bear's Pizza in Bloomington. This was how long of a game it was. It lasted the entire meal, and then part of the drive home, we picked up some Gatorades or something and watched it in the parking lot uh, of the Village Pantry to our Bloomington listeners at 10th Street and Union. You know the one by Iggy. We watched it there. Nine overtimes, Penn State and Illinois. Uh, one of the greatest games of all time, just absolutely iconic not great as in high quality football but great as in i'll never forget where i was and evidently i haven't forgotten where i was sitting right next to you reed in the front seat uh, of your car watching as these two teams you know juice box williams versus sean clifford kind of back and forth uh and illinois ended up prevailing in what they called sold out happy valley but it wasn't anywhere close to sold out it was a pretty empty crowd that day uh a lot has changed for the penn state program since then it felt like that 2020 through early 21 was kind of Penn State going through the motions. They did not look like themselves, didn't look very good. They were struggling at this point in 21. Um, and things have really turned around since then, coming off a Rose Bowl win, now uh, in the top 10 in the country, looking to capitalize on some serious momentum in, in their first conference game here against the Illini this week. And on the flip side, this is an Illinois team that came in with really high expectations and has looked nothing short of disappointing through two weeks and you know the big 10 west it feels like every single year there's a team who comes off of a really hot season and everybody says oh they're going to repeat it and then they don't feels like that happens every single season i could go down the list but illinois so far as that team they really need to bounce back read yeah and i do think this game will be it'll be tough for illinois to do that i think penn state it's their first road test of the year um i think it's a pretty easy road test as far as what the other road tests could possibly be in the big 10. Um, I think Penn state keeps it rolling this week, but that was going to be, that was another candidate for um, what to watch for this week is will Penn state keep it rolling? I say yes, but you never know how a team with a lot of young players is going to react to that first road environment of the year. So I think that's another sort of what to watch for. That's absolutely something to watch for Reed. I'm in agreement with you there. All right. So that's what we're watching for on Saturday, but while we're watching, who will look the best, not on the field, but in terms of what they're rocking on the field, Reed. It's our uniform matchup of the week. Who's rocking the best threads on Saturday? This is a tough one with lots of candidates. I agree. Illinois, we just talked about them. That's one of them. Um, I don't want to give it to Penn State, though. We're in the all-white. Like, sure, it's a clean look, but it's a bit too boring when there's so many other good games on the docket. I think depending on what combination washington goes with washington michigan state could be a real contender this one's actually my pick I, I love the washington uniforms no matter which one they pick i think they have some of the best in the country that's true and if they go with the gold dome white jersey and purple pants which is what i anticipate i think it'll look phenomenal but my pick is going to go to syracuse purdue last year was a great uniform matchup i think this year i think purdue's home look looks better than it's away and syracuse's away looks about as good as it's home so i think this combination of colors is going to be great, especially if Purdue continues to wear that throwback uniform, which, by the way, last week, you pointed this out to me over text. They wore the throwback helmet with last year's more modern jersey that we thought had gone out of. What? I didn't really still wore those. It was completely non-cohesive. It was kind of like a Los Angeles Rams first year in L.A., no matching between the helmet and jersey situation. 
But when Purdue has a cohesive look with those Breeze era home jerseys, you match that against Syracuse's blue and orange. That'll be beautiful. That's my uniform matchup of the week. I think that's a good one, Reed. Under the lights at Ross Age Stadium should be a good one on the field as well as a good looking one on the field. All right, last one before a quick break. Sicko's game of the week, Reed. This one felt too easy. Northern Illinois, Nebraska. Northern Illinois, probably a decade ago at this point, if you can believe it, was pretty good at football. Jordan Lynch, those were fun times. They're not very good anymore. And then Nebraska, it's almost too easy to throw Nebraska into the Sickos game, Reed. Is that just, like, low-hanging fruit? Should I go for something a little bit more refined than that? No, I think this is a good pick. I mean, Northern Illinois, last week they lost to Southern Illinois 14-11. to 11. Southern Illinois notably does not play FBS football there in the not. So uh, they do not. This, this is a pretty bad football team. As much as it is a sicko game, I actually am interested to see what Nebraska looks like on offense against Northern Illinois. What, how many points they'll put up? Because you know, in Nebraska under Matt Rule, it, it's a team that that's got a lot of hype in the offseason. Jeff Sims comes in. I liked what I saw from him at Georgia Tech, and so far they haven't really gotten off on the right foot. I actually am a little bit interested in this game to see what Nebraska looks like. Can they blow out this evidently horrible opponent? Mm-hmm. But it's still, you still do kind of have to have a little bit of sickness to you to be tuning into this one. When Which there you are do. Which you do. It's true. And that so do true. I. We do this podcast are, for a reason. Exactly. But yeah, there are a handful of better games to be watching this Saturday than this one. So I'll, I'll still call that my sickos game of the week. Yep, it's almost a uh, an earned sickos just based off of two weeks of Nebraska football at this point. I think you got to do it. You just got to. Yeah. All right, quick break here, and then we will get into our game of the week as well as our score predictions. So stay tuned here on the first and 10. We'll be right back after this. Back here on the first and 10, ready to get into our week three preview, previewing every single game on the Big Ten slate this week, starting off with our game of the week. Reed, I think we're in agreement here after a a brief debate between the two of us, what's going to be our game of the week. It's a really weird slate. It's a slate that you see a lot of teams you like on paper. It's like, oh, look, there's Washington. That's a fun team to talk about. Syracuse is kind of a big deal. Duke's ranked. Carolina's ranked. And then you look at the teams they're playing and none of them really are all that awesome of matchups some of them are okay they're at least interesting but for some of the teams we're getting in non-conference this week and who they're actually matched up against feels like it could be better like feels like the the big teams of the big 10 michigan ohio state even uh wisconsin penn state just kind of got lame matchups this week while some of the other teams ended up getting pretty decent ones so uh what ended up being our game of the week as we hinted to earlier, it's Minnesota at North Carolina in Chapel Hill, Keenan Stadium. Carolina, a seven and a half point favorite at home, obviously coming off of a really tough game the week before against App State, where they were huge favorites, went to overtime, probably should have lost that one in all honesty. Um, and then the week before they went to Charlotte and beat South Carolina pretty good. So, Reed, what have you seen from this Carolina team that uh, – has impressed you and that has also let you down. And what do you think they're going to do against the Gophers? Well, I mean, the most impressive thing is that Drake May is the quarterback. I mean, anytime this guy's leading a team, it is must-see TV. You know, he is such a talented player. Absolutely. And look, opening the season with a 31-17 win against South Carolina, 
that's impressive. Like South Carolina, some people call them overrated. Some people want them to be ranked. Um, I I came into the season thinking they were a little bit overrated, but look, it's still a highly talented SEC program with some solid athletes and a good coach on a so true neutral site too. Yeah, that's true. Charlotte definitely a great neutral site for those two teams meeting sort of right in the middle there. So that's still an impressive win. And the App State one, you know, I knocked UNC for the App State double overtime game, and I think they rightfully deserve to be knocked for that. But at the same time, App State is known as these sort of giant killers, and they gave UNC trouble last year. They seem to sort of have their number, even though I believe they didn't win either of those games. They just gave Yeah, UNC swept the series. Yeah, despite, you know, App State giving them all they could handle, UNC did end up winning both of those. But I still think UNC is a really good team. But at the same time, you know, they have holes that could be punctured. And I think Minnesota is a team that I don't think they'll win this game. I think they keep it close, but I wouldn't be shocked if they get blown out. I think this deserves game of the week attention, though. Partly, like you mentioned, there are not a ton of great Big Ten games on this slot or, you know, in this uh, Saturday slate. I think there are a lot of games that could become interesting once they've already started if there's upset potential. But I think looking at it from this view from far away Minnesota UNC is the best game just because it's a lot of great teams against more you know lower down teams I want to see if Minnesota's defense can shut down UNC I think Minnesota's hope their only hope of winning this game is keeping it low scoring which no one's been able to do against UNC through two weeks Um, but we'll see if Minnesota can put a different spin on it UNC they could come out looking sluggish excuse me after that rough game against App State, or maybe that was just, you know, the kick in the rear they needed to completely turn their season around. Who knows? But I think really because of the who knows aspect of this game, that's another part of what makes it game of the week. I think this is the one that looks most exciting in the Big Ten. There's some intrigue. Yeah. There's absolutely some intrigue here, Reed. But my one hang-up is exactly what you just mentioned. Nobody has been able to keep North Carolina in low scoring so far this season. And granted, it's a really small sample size. It's two games. But I'm of the belief that this North Carolina offense can hang up points on anybody. And offense is what wins games in modern college football. It just is. Unless you're in the Big Ten West, which Minnesota, to their credit, is. This Minnesota offense, if this game is even remotely high scoring, like if North Carolina scores over 20 points, I think is the magic number. That's all they need to win this one. This Minnesota offense has just been absolutely dreadful each of the last two weeks. Have not been even relatively impressed by them. I think they have serious problems on that side of the football and that needs to be addressed ASAP or else they could find fall behind pretty quickly in the big 10. And yeah, it's the big 10 West still where you don't need an offense to win. Look at Iowa. Look at Wisconsin. A lot of years, even look at Minnesota, even some years, but right now as things stand, this Iowa offense or Minnesota offense, that tells you everything you need to know about this Minnesota offense. I just refer to them as Iowa. Says everything you need to know. They're Iowa-esque. It's it's just really, really, really ugly. Athen is just not that guy at quarterback. I, I came into the season saying, all right, I'll give him another chance. There were some things he did last year that I, I kind of liked, but especially after that Nebraska game, he was just so unimpressive, just really struggled. He made one really good throw late to win it, but that was kind of the hope that kept me going. Last week against Eastern Michigan, again, a really poor showing from them. They're 2-0, but they're 2-0 at what cost? I'm going to take North Carolina to win this one by three touchdowns, Reed. Yeah, for this one, I'm going to say UNC by 10. Um, not quite as, as big of a deficit. 
to the one you had. But again, like I said earlier, I wouldn't be shocked if UNC ran away with this one. But but I do believe in Minnesota to keep it close. I think the fact that one Drake May is on the UNC team and the fact that it's being played in North Carolina will be the difference maker here. Completely agree. And yeah, you always look at coach, quarterback, home field. Home field, North Carolina, quarterback, clearly North Carolina. You don't even have to look at coach, even if you can make an argument for PJ against uh, Mac Brown. I, I don't think it's a great argument. Cause I think Mac Brown's a good coach, but you can make it because PJ is a very good coach too. But home field, better quarterback, that's hard to pick against. I'm with you there, Reed, on the heels. All right, let's start from the top on the rest of these games. We'll start on Friday. We've got one Friday game this week, old ACC battle. Virginia at Maryland in College Park, Siku Stadium. Terps are 14.5-point favorites, Reed, against a really god-awful Virginia team. They're 0-2 to start the season. Are these Cavs? Blowout loss to Tennessee and then a loss last week to JMU. Reed, this isn't going to be a close one. Yeah, and I almost considered putting this a game of the week just because I think the rivalry aspect or just the turning back the clock aspect mm-hmm. makes it intriguing. Um, you know, I, I like that Maryland's scheduling some of these old ACC opponents. It's good for their fans. I agree. I think there can be a lot of good passion in this one, but I think as far as the football goes, yeah, I don't see this one being game of the week material, and uh, I do think UMD is going to win this one pretty significantly. I'm going to go Maryland by 20. I'll go Maryland by 20 as well, Reed. That seems like a fair number because I don't think this Maryland team is great, but I certainly think they're greater than this god-awful Virginia team. So, yeah, not going to be much of a game here. Although, shout-out to Maryland for – going back and, and rescheduling some of their old ACC opponents. Hopefully this is something we see post-conference realignment and, you know, preserving some of those traditional matchups, whether it's USC versus Stanford or uh, I don't know, Oregon, Oregon state, stuff like that. That's just going to go by the wayside after conference realignment. Hopefully we can see some of those stay. I know Maryland fans really want to play Duke in basketball again. Haven't had that in a, a long time. And that's a rivalry with, a ton of spice to it, and uh, I'd certainly like to see come back. But shout out to Maryland for, for making this happen. This is a cool game. All right, let's get into the Saturday slate now, Reed. Nooner on Fox, big noon kickoff in Champaign. It's Penn State at Illinois. Another 14.5-point line here in favor of the Nittany Lions, and I think that's a pretty fair spread. Penn State's looked really good through two weeks. They, they haven't really been tested against a West Virginia team that's on the brink, I think, of firing Neil Brown and then last weekend's FCS competition. Haven't been tested. This is a big test on the road against conference opposition and a conference team who looked really good last year. And last time they played Penn State, beat Penn State, like we mentioned earlier in Happy Valley in 2021. Don't think any of that happens this week, though. Penn State's not going to struggle here. Got the Nittany Lions by 17. Yeah, I kind of agree. I I wrote in my original notes, Penn State by 31. I thought they were going to blow them out. I dialed it back a little bit. Penn State by 24 is my new pick. I just do think, even though I think Penn State is significantly better than Illinois, and I think that Illinois, despite being at home, will will struggle to put up a fight against Penn State. 31 is just a lot of points. And I think just the road factor, this is, to my knowledge, unless there's a game of freedom about Drew Aller's first game on the road as a starting quarterback. I believe you're right. Uh, yeah. And, and maybe he came in, I don't know, during a cliff. In major. relief in some. Yeah. But I think this is, this is Drew Aller's He did come in in relief against Indiana last year on the road. So. Oh, there you go. But this is his first big road assignment as a starting quarterback. So I I do think there could be just a little bit of hiccups, but I'm going to go. It could Penn be State. 7-0 in the four, first quarter, 7-3 in the first quarter. 
Look at you, Gus Johnson, using nil for American football. Um, what can yeah. I say? I uh, I respect the GOAT, Gus Johnson. That's where I pull it from. But, yeah, I'm going to say Penn State by 24. Yeah, I think this one could be close early, though, like you said there, Reed. Some early on-the-road jitters getting that sort of kinks out of your system if you're PSU. Yeah, I could see that, too. But uh, 17 is going to be my final number, I think. Illinois, just like they did last week against Kansas, scores some late points in garbage time and kind of makes it look like less of a mess than it actually was. But Penn State is the clear better team here. All right. Next game in the noon slate, nooner on BTN. Or I think it's BTN in some markets, BTN alternate in others because they're two noon BTN games. Uh, this is one I'll be at, Reed, here in the city of Indianapolis. We've got a neutral site, Lucas Oil Stadium, downtown Indianapolis, Louisville Cardinals taking on the IU Hoosiers, Reed. There's a lot of interesting parts at play here. Number one, a local rivalry, two teams uh, under two hours from each other who really don't have a lot of football history, but a ton of basketball history with each other. So kind of a cool matchup there. I, I like scheduling local opponents. It's a neutral site. I believe this is the only neutral site game a Big Ten team is playing this regular season. Correct me if I'm wrong, Reed. Are there any others? To my knowledge, no, but I'm going to go and check that right now while you keep Back talking. Check me on that, but I believe this is the only neutral site game in the Big Ten this year. Um. The other really interesting thing about this read is this was originally supposed to be a three-game series between Indiana and Louisville. Now this is a one-game series. It's a one-off, and they're not playing next year or the year after. Indiana bought its way out of the next two games. I'm intrigued to see what you think about this one, Reed, but the way I see it with Indiana buying its way out of the next two Louisville games, it's Tom Allen trying to save his job because instead of scheduling you know, real competition like Louisville where you could potentially lose – in fact, you'll probably lose, and spoiler alert, I'm going to pick them to lose on Saturday. You're going to schedule an FCS team or a, a low-level G5 team and give them a big paycheck just so you can pad an extra win on there and get ever closer to six wins. I get why Indiana's doing it because, you know, it, the Big Ten's tough and it's only getting tougher. Maybe it's getting easier for Indiana because of the balanced schedule, but still, the conference itself is getting tougher and the path to six wins is never going to be easy for Indiana. And that's the goal every year is to get to six. And if that means scheduling a bunch of cupcakes in non-conference, if that's allowed, I believe the conference is waiving the rule of where you need to schedule a power five opponent or an American opponent or Notre Dame in the non-conference. What are we booing? We're booing that Big Ten is getting rid of that rule. I love that rule. It's a great rule because it ensures at least one interesting non-conference opponent for every team every year. But, Maybe it's a terrible rule if you want to get your team to six wins. And I can almost promise you Indiana is one of the teams that opposed getting rid of that rule or was in favor of getting rid of that rule rather and opposed the rule in, in the first place simply because they want to win six. They want to get an easy path to six or as easy a path as you can to six. And this is how they do it. It's by canceling this series going forward. And it kind of sucks as a fan because it's a fun game. It's a fun little road trip. Louisville's a cool town. It's a fun home game too. I don't know. I just hope they don't schedule or unschedule rather the Notre Dame series in 2030 and 31. I don't know. It, it's a, I get it, but at the same time, it makes me upset as a fan of the team simply because it, it, what, what message does that send to your players? If you're running, like you're, you're running away. It, I think it's cowardly, especially for the news uh, to come out the week of this game. It gives Louisville bulletin board material and, it absolutely demoralizes your own players. It's like, all right, well, you don't think we can hang with them the next two games we're playing them. What makes you think we can hang with them now? That's true. I, I mean, it, yeah, that's – again, I get why they're doing it, but 
I would say more do that in the future. Don't cancel what you've already done. That that is cowardly in my opinion. It doesn't send a great completely message. cowardly. Totally. Um, and then one more thing as far as neutral site games go, this is the only true neutral site game in the Big Ten this season. There are two non-traditional home site games: Northwestern playing Iowa at Wrigley Field and then Correct. Michigan Penn State at Ford Field. But this is the That's only right. real neutral site game. Um, I think Indiana can keep this one close just by virtue of their defense being pretty solid against Ohio State. But I do think Louisville ends up winning this one by multiple scores. I'm going to go Cardinals by 14. I'm going to go with the line here. It's just Louisville by 10. Yeah, I can get behind that. 31-21, something like that. Uh, Louisville's just a better team. And I think Indiana can have some moments. I think they can keep it close early. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't trust the IU offense to be able to, to keep up and, and score enough points to win. They haven't shown me it yet. And I'm not going to count Indiana State as showing it to me. And while Taven had a great game, Taven Jackson, the, the quarterback for Indiana, uh, and Cam Camper did as well, and it sounds like he's going to play. I just don't think they have enough. I think Louisville's a, a pretty good team. Jeff Brom, when he was at Purdue, he largely had Indiana's number. IU only beat him one time in his entire Purdue tenure. It was in 2019. Of course, they didn't play in 2020, and, and IU probably would have won that one too. But still, it's a pretty jarring stat that a guy is at a school for – he was at Purdue for, what, six or seven years, something like that, and IU only beat him one time. So he's absolutely got their number. I think it's going to be a pretty evenly split crowd, maybe slight favor to IU, but I've also heard that IU is giving out free tickets to students to this one. So I don't know what the turnout's going to be. I'll be there. So there's at least one IU fan in the crowd, but uh, Louisville's also pretty close. It's a two hour drive to Indy from Louisville. It's one hour from Bloomington. Obviously IU has a huge alumni base in Indianapolis as well, who will turn out to it. So I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere. I think it's going to be uh, that's a great place to see a game. But uh, I don't think it's going to be in a Hoosier win. I will take Louisville alongside you, Reed. All right. Other game at noon on BTN. Georgia Southern at Wisconsin. Traditionally an option team. Georgia Southern no longer running that. But they've still had some decent seasons in the G5 in the not-so-distant past. With that being said, they're going into Camp Randall. Don't see them coming out with a win. But I do see them hanging around in this one, Reed. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people are giving it credit for. The Lions-Wisconsin by 20. I think Georgia Southern absolutely covers that. I've got Wisconsin by 13. I think it's a close 13. I just don't think Wisconsin's good. That's my answer. I think Wisconsin's just not very good. Georgia Southern's okay. Patrick, you're going to zig and I'm going to zag. I'm going to say Wisconsin by 35. I think that Wisconsin is just what Wisconsin needs to kick it into high gear. I think this is a complete statement win for Wisconsin. I'm still – I'm starting to fall off. I'm hanging on the side of the rails of the Wisconsin train, but I'm still technically on the Wisconsin train. You know, Georgia Southern, they just beat a good UAB team by two touchdowns and hung 49 on them. Hey, I don't care. This is a real team. This is not uh, a pushover. What's the, uh, that, that LeBron, um, you know, the LeBron meme where he's like, you know, Steph Curry, um jeff murray whatever we don't care Cavs and exactly that's exactly my take here georgia southern um i don't know what whatever rhymes with southern don't care badgers by 35 do you like chef murray like that call i do like that yes people forget if you've never seen reed hoop before they call him chef murray it's pretty good chef murray at first chef murray chef murray whatever you want to call him the man can ball and uh you might not guess it if you're a listener of this podcast but reed Pretty good basketball player. Did you confirm? I'm actually not going to confirm. I'm actually not that good. I think you're pretty good. I wouldn't leave you open. I thank you for that that praise. I don't know if I can fully accept it, though. I think I've played with you twice, and my criteria is that you're better than me. Wow. 
I mean, that, that ain't much of a. It ain't much. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, that's it for the noon slate. Let's get into the three thirty games here. Uh, first of the bunch, three thirty on the ACC Network. Which, if you've never watched a game on the ACC Network before. Be prepared for the weirdest commercials of your life because I feel like every single thing being advertised on here is a joke that escaped the I think you should leave writer's room. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just really weird infomercials at all hours of the day. But it's Northwestern at the Duke Blue Devils, the 21st ranked Blue Duke Blue Devils. <laughs> Duke Blue Devils, excuse me. Uh, Duke's an 18 and a half point favorite, and that might even be low. Hey, Reed, let's just say it. We've got a nerd bowl on our hands and so far, Northwestern hasn't looked quite as terrible as people thought they might look. At least in week two, they didn't. And Dukes looked really good. Uh, this line feels fair. I think some people might want it to be a little higher simply because of Northwestern just being an absolute mess of a program right now. But they went and played a really good game as underdogs against UAB last week on the road against the Duke team that's already clobbered Clemson once. I'm not going to say it's going to be a, a pretty game or a competitive game. Uh, I'll take Duke here by three touchdowns. You know, I, I've seen bad Duke teams beat good Northwestern teams. So now that you have a great Duke team playing a bad Northwestern team, I got Duke huge. I'm going Blue Devils by 28. Yeah, it feels like these teams play a lot. I think we've seen it a, a few times over the last couple of years. We have, yeah. There's been a handful of these matchups. Even since like 2017, 18, 19, I feel like we've seen this a lot. And other nerd bowls too for Northwestern, like they played Stanford back in 2019, the first year of this show. So uh, we've definitely seen some some similar matchups for them against other prestigious academic institutions, and uh, they've struggled in, in those games, uh, including in this Duke series. So yeah, that's my pick here as well. It, it's the Blue Devils, who yeah are, are a really good football team, or at least a competent, very good football team. Maybe not extremely great or, or anything like that, but. Definitely a heck of a lot better than Northwestern. And uh, other than that, I guess this is the Chris Collins Bowl and the Ryan Young Bowl. Chris Collins, of course, the coach at Northwestern, played under Coach K at Duke in, in men's basketball, that is. And then Ryan Young, a men's basketball player, transferred from Northwestern to Duke last season. That's all the connections I can come up with. And uh, the only thing you need to know about this one is that Northwestern will probably lose by a lot. All right. Also in the 330 slate, this one's on the Big Ten Network or on BTN Alternate if you – aren't in the correct market for it. It's Western Michigan and Iowa read. Iowa's a 28 and a half point favorite, but you think Iowa even gets to 28? I'll say yes, but barely. Um, I think favoring them by 28 is crazy. I'm saying Iowa by 10. My what to watch for was does the Iowa get it going on offense enough to really create some separation. And I'd say the answer is no, but we'll see. I agree. Reed. I'm going to take Iowa by 21. I think their defense plays well. I just don't think Western Michigan is all, all that good. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Iowa here. They get to that magic 24 number, 24 to 3. Also on BTN at 330, it's Virginia Tech and Rutgers. Reed, this one's a Piscataway. Rutgers a touchdown favorite over Virginia Tech, which is absolutely wow. crazy to say. Who would have thought that? It's the Raheem Blackshear Bowl, Reed. Yeah, I, I think Virginia Tech pulls off the upset here. I agree. I, think I don't like road dogs, but I'm going to go with the Hokies, and I'm just picking them by seven. I'm going to take Virginia Tech by seven, too. This is just not a very good Rutgers team. And Virginia Tech's not good by any means, but they were favorites against, I think, a decent Purdue squad last week at home, and 
They lost, but they lost in a game that was delayed by five hours. And they, they came back and actually hung in that game and played pretty well, I think, down the stretch in the second half. I don't think this Virginia Tech team is awful. I just don't think they're that good. And I don't think Rutgers is that good either. And Virginia Tech's got more talent. I'll take the Hokies too. I, I just don't think that this Rutgers team is, is good enough to win. Just don't. Crazy they're favored by a touchdown. That That's one of the most egregious lines I've seen in a long time. All right, Reed. Yeah, yeah. This one's a weird kick time. We've got a couple of weird kick times. Uh, Four o'clock on Fox at the shoe. You'll be at this one. WKU at Ohio State. Buckeyes, 29 and a half point favorites. I'm going to go Ohio State by 31. Not a mu- not much to say in this one. Uh, Western Kentucky's had some good teams over the last few years, but uh, this team is not nearly as good as the ones you saw in 21 or 22. The Buckeyes should prevail by a lot. Yeah, but I mean, WKU, the offense has been putting up good numbers through two weeks. I mean, they've played lowly competition in South Florida and uh, who was this? Houston Christian. I don't even know what division they play. But... It used to be Houston Baptist, which is actually uh, where they had a bunch of players transfer from, including Bailey Zappi a few years ago. Interesting. Well, either way, they've put up some good numbers, scoring 41 in week one, 52 week two. I am curious to see how does the Ohio State defense look against uh, what I would say is so far the best offense they'll be facing. Because the defenses look great for Ohio State through two weeks, but they haven't been tested too much. No disrespect to Indiana on that. Um, I'm going to go, go with a Fetty Wap here. 17-38 Ohio State wins this one. Interesting. Interesting score right there. Yeah, I just think Ohio State gets right this week. I, I liked what I saw from them kind of late last week, although it was an FCS game. I, I just think they're due for a blowout. All right, Reed. Another weird kick time here. 5 o'clock on Peacock. The eighth-ranked Washington Huskies headed to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. Reed, we already talked about it this week. Michigan State just fired head coach Mel Tucker. Well, they didn't fire him. He's on administrative leave right now. But there was a report he was fired. Didn't end up being true. He's on leave. He's not on the sidelines. That's the important part. Against Michael Penix Jr. and the Washington Huskies. I almost said in the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, you can tell how I feel about him still. Missed the guy. He was a great Big Ten player. Great Indiana Hoosier. And we're seeing him in conference again this week. He's always a joy to watch. And somehow he's gotten even better since his IU days. He looks as good as ever, Reed. I think Washington absolutely cruises here. I've got the Huskies by four touchdowns. Huskies by 28. I'm going to go one step further and say Huskies by 35. Michigan State's not good. Michigan State's also in a state of turmoil. Washington's very good. And they'll just win because they're a much better team. Going on the road, whatever. This is a team who can absolutely contend for the playoff. I Yeah, and I think that'll be tough in such a loaded Pac-12. I Honestly, as many good teams as there are in the Pac-12, if any of them make the playoff, that could be tough just because there's so many, so much good competition. But they, they definitely are in the running right now. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Pac-12 is going to be really fun to watch this year in its final season before Washington becomes a conference opponent, joins us here in the Big Ten. Crazy that this is going to be a conference game starting next year because right now it feels like a, a pretty weird little non-conference matchup, and yet it's going to be Big Ten Conference football this time next year. Still doesn't feel real, but that's the world we live in. All right, night slate, 7 o'clock FS1, Northern Illinois Huskies at Nebraska and Lincoln. 11-point favorites are the Huskers. Nebraska's not very good, Reed, but – they're better than 11 against Northern Illinois, who, again, hung 11 last week total uh, against Southern Illinois. They'll win by more than that. I'll take Nebraska by three touchdowns. Nebraska by 21. 
I said 24 for Nebraska. 24. Okay. I think they definitely cover that line, though. I agree. All right. Also in the night slate, Bowling Green at Michigan. 7.30, BTN, Michigan are 40.5-point favorites. This is not going to be a game. But it's kind of interesting because Jim Harbaugh's parents went to Bowling Green. That's kind of a fun storyline. Bowling Green, of course, in Northwest Ohio, a uh, part of the state that's very contested by both Ohio State fans and Michigan fans. It's a 50-50 area. Of course, the two states once went for war, went to war over that part of, of Ohio, Toledo. Ohio won, of course, and got that part of the state. And but again, we, some might argue that they didn't win the war by winning that area. But <laughs> Well, here's a, a part of the war that certainly won't be won for Ohio this week is in Ann Arbor against Michigan. Yeah, uh, I'll take Michigan here by 42, six touchdowns. Yeah, I think by 40 or more, it's just that's a really tough line to bet on just because with the new clock rules, it's just so hard to put up that many points yeah, in the game. But Connor Bazelak is the quarterback, Reed, former Indiana quarterback. Connor Bazelak is the quarterback of Bowling Green, and, and he's not very good at all. In fact, statistically, week one, he was the worst quarterback in the entire country. That's true. Uh, I'm still going to say Michigan by 34 here. Okay. A lot of Bowling Green fans who are probably going to be rocking Michigan sweatshirts at this one. Could be, yeah. Yeah. Hey, if they were playing in Columbus, there'd probably be a lot of Bowling Green grads rocking Ohio State sweatshirts too. So uh, that's just the way the Mac works sometimes. All right. Last one. 7.30 NBC, Ross-Aid Stadium in West Lafayette, Indiana. Boilers of Purdue against the Syracuse Orange. Boilers are two-and-a-half-point home dogs to Q's, Reed. Or Reed. I can't talk today. Q's, Reed. What am I going to say? Q'd, Reed? No. Two Q's, Reed. Is that an all right line? Do you think that's too high? Because I think Purdue's going to win this game. I think Purdue wins in a thrilling three-point game. It's going to be a great one. I, I've got Purdue by three as well, actually, Reed. This is just a boiler team that I think got right last week. I think they're absolutely going to be lights out on offense. The defense, I still have some questions about. I don't love the Syracuse team also. Just, you know, not, not really sold on them from what I've seen so far this season. Just not great competition. I mean, looking at their results so far, you beat Colgate in Western Michigan. Congrats. This is the first real test they're going to play this year. Purdue's played two real teams already. Purdue is absolutely battle-tested. And in front of the first night game at Ross-Aid this year with that crazy new stand, uh, I think Purdue is absolutely going to roll. I agree. Um, actually, I mean, I wouldn't say they're absolutely going to roll, but I think they win. I got the Boilers by three. I think night game, it'll be an awesome atmosphere. I'm excited to see this one. I think they'll roll relatively. I think they'll just roll with the crowd, I think is what I'm getting at. The crowd's going to be great. Crowd's going to roll. But I think the Boilers win by three as well. Should be a good one. All right, Reed, that's it for our preview. Anything else from you before we wrap this one up? Nothing for me to say. Nothing for me either. All right, everybody, thank you to listen, for listening to the First and Ten podcast. It's been a fun one. Enjoy your college football Saturday, everyone, no matter where you're watching it from. And we will see you all next time. Take care and bye.